This week's episode of the Oblivion Bar podcast, episode 007 this week. I am Chris Hacker. I'm one of your co-hosts here at the Oblivion Bar. On the screen or in your ear is... Aaron Better Actions Knowles. I'm, I'm sorry if I seem distracting while I'm on screen right My My light in my room is so bright right now, I am almost Caucasian. <laughs> yeah, it's coming down. Are you going to get a, like a good tan from this episode? Or? I probably, I, I, it's so hot in here because of this light. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out what I can do to make this. I'm sorry for the people that aren't seeing this. I got a, I got a lean butt. <laughs> I'm going like, to put a hat on. Right. Well, uh, I'm going to quickly point out the obvious here for everyone watching us on Twitch right now. We have a brand new look. How do we, how does yes. the new layout look? Um, we kind of partnered up and tried to make it a little more aesthetically pleasing for all of you watching on Twitch. So just continue to expect some new changes throughout the coming weeks. We've got a lot of cool things in store for everyone who uh, listens and or uh, watches the podcast. So, yeah. Aaron, I love that hat, by the way. Thanks. It's keeping the, the bright light out of my eyes. <laughs> and also, you... this is one thing I've always wanted to do. I wanted to go, bam. If you agree, we got to do a... I have a hat on as well. Let's do a tip of the cap if we agree. Tip of the cap. Okay. The podcast listeners won't know what we're doing, but we'll know. But tip of the cap. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our news and notes. Actually, I'm sorry. No. I want to quickly... I think we talked about this before the episode, and I think it's worth at least bringing up briefly. The world is on fire right now. And I'm not saying that yes. to, to make light of it. I, it literally is on fire. And we wanted to essentially explain the fact that we understand what Aaron and I do here at the Oblivion Bar is total satire and not important, especially comparative to what's going on in the world right now. But we thought it was our duty to bring a little bit of levity, if we can, to the listeners or the watchers on, on stream. So just know that we're fully aware. I don't think we need to really put our opinion out there on what we think is going on in the world. We just want to hopefully brings some happiness and positivity to your life with what we're doing here at the Oblivion Bar. So uh, unless Aaron has something he wants to add to that thought, I think I think that's pretty much where we stand as a No, as a I mean there needs to be so we're not we're not blind to it, we're not deaf to it, we're not completely unaware um, because honestly that's that's the issue is um, ignorance is what breeds hate and fear. So here at the Oblivion Bar we are not blinding ourselves to it, but we are not taking necessarily part in, in it, at least for, for on the show's stance, because it just we need to have a place that's safe, that's, that's an escape, that you don't have to worry about coming to and hearing about all of it. Like, this is going to be the end of it, really, that we're going to discuss about it. Um, we may talk about it individually, but really for this part, it's, this doesn't need to be another platform to speak about it. You know, because we don't really have a platform. We're just kind of talking amongst friends. So we each have our own individual opinions on it, whether they, they're parallel or perpendicular, which is okay. And that's the way the world needs to be. The world needs to be able to discuss things like this in an open sor- forum, open way, without, you know, it having to get heated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're, we're all about escapism here at the Oblivion Bar, and we're just going to keep it that way for now. So 
Let's go ahead and dive into this week's news and notes. And starting us off here, we have Henry Cavill is officially in talks to reprise his role as Superman. So yeah. <laughs> it looks I like him. I, I do too, honestly, just off the top. I think Christopher Reeves, I think, is a lot of people's thought of the, the perfect Superman. But there was a lot of potential with Henry Cavill and his version of Superman. And we talked about it last week on episode six about the Snyder Cut and how Zack Snyder also directed Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. So Henry Cavill has been under the direction of Zack Snyder from the very beginning. So, as it says here in the report, Cavill has previously made it clear that he would love to come back to be Superman at some point. And it turns out, as of last week, Warner Brothers is officially in negotiations with trying to create a new contract for Henry Cavill. So, and this report comes from Deadline. It says, Cavill and Warner Brothers are currently working on a deal, and even though there's no Man of Steel sequel or standalone film in development, they do plan to have him put be put back into the DCEU in a couple different ways. So, my question for you, Aaron, and for the listeners as well, do we want a Man of Steel 2? Do we want it directed by Zack Snyder? And if not, if we don't want a Man of Steel 2, what other DCEU films would you like to see Superman show up in? Um, so there's obviously so many different approaches that they could take with this. If Snyder did come back to create anything, a Man of Steel 2 would be the route that I would want taken. And I say that because I loved Man of Steel. Man of Steel was so good. It really brought, even in just the small portion of it, it brought such a, uh, a depth to Krypton when he showed you know, the, just the origin story. So, I mean, that would be amazing. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Snyder do just a Krypton movie. I mean, I never saw the show that was you know, a sci-fi channel show that they created off of that. But I wouldn't mind seeing that. I could see them going a route of Supergirl. That was the talk for a while. Uh, at the, you know? Once Henry Cavill had kind of stepped away, like we talked about, they had briefly talked about how they were in development for a Supergirl show. And essentially do what they thought they wanted to do with Superman, but with Supergirl instead. So... Yes. I tend to agree as well with Man of Steel. I like it quite a bit. There are certain aspects I definitely don't like, uh, i.e. the General Zod neck snap. If you love these people so much, you can mourn for them. Don't do this! huge fan of that dark and gritty version of superman to me that made that that right there was the 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 cherry on the top of such a good movie you liked it because i loved it so it really brought forth so in in such a uh i think i'm getting excited so i get loud uh so (laughs) saying that we all know that superman embodies hope and you know just freedom and to me, it's like that scene really, really took um, Superman out of his element, and you could see it. It was gritty. It was dark. He did not. He he himself. The fact that he embodies hope and he stands for hope, to, for him to have to go to that length and snap Zod's neck, you and when he screamed about it, he was just like no, because you could tell that that broke that like that hurt him 
physically and emotionally to have to go to that lengths because he again as the embodiment of hope had to have the 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 desire to you know bring zod back to the the, the side of good mm-hmm. you know and to have that finite end for him right there at his hands really put him in a place that he never ha- ho- hoped to be sure so. um so i guess my real issue with it essentially was why does superman have to be in that situation i, I understand the re- like taking a more realistic approach to it but they literally they just destroyed all of metropolis with their fight between zod and superman which eventually gets re-looked at from bruce wayne's perspective in batman v superman Mm-hmm. But the, so yes, I agree. Superman does. He stands for hope, justice in the American way. That's kind of his slogan. But does Henry Cavill's version of Superman really embody that? Do, we don't really see him ever. Do we see him save anyone in Man of Steel? I'm trying to think. I mean, he saved yeah. he saves the 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 oil, oil rig, rig, yeah. Which they rumor Aquaman was the one who saved him. I don't know if you've heard that rumor, how when he when he eventually saves all the people from the oil rig, he falls in the ocean, and the next thing you see is just him washed up on the shore. Apparently, there's a oh. fa- there's a fan rumor that Aquaman was the one who found him and, and put him on the shore. So I guess a little fun little you know fan theory. I don't know if that's, that's been cool. associate or I don't know if that's been officially you know put in canon, but I, I don't know. I I think if we're gonna do a Superman two. with Henry Cavill in it, I want something besides Zack Snyder, and, and we talked about it on episode six. I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. I'm not particularly a fan of his either. I think he he does some things really well and some things pretty terribly. But I want to see someone. Yeah, I, I want to see someone different take the helm and and give a little bit more of a classic spin. I I think Superman should always take place in like the like I would say like from the 30s to the 60s. I always feel like he's a very he's one of the best Golden Age characters in the in the history of comics. So I want someone different. That that's just my own opinion though. I want old man Superman, like Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I, I like I like that version quite a bit. So I, I would love to see a riff on Grant Morrison's All Star Superman, which a lot of people consider to be the greatest Superman story of all time. It's basically Superman finds out that he's dying. I, I'm forgetting the reason specifically why he's dying, but it shows him over the next week or so of him kind of writing some wrongs, doing his Superman Superman thing, and it really just shows the the humanity that was instilled in Superman, because obviously he's not from, he's not from earth. He's not from the United States. He's an alien. So it shows the great, like the greatest parts of Superman and the idea of who he is in that, in that uh, book. So moving along here, we have, we're back to Zack Snyder. We were just talking about him. We spent all last episode talking about him essentially, but we're back here with some more Zack Snyder, justice league Snyder cut news. So Zack Snyder officially shares the first image of Darkseid in the upcoming Snyder Cut. So Come on, I gotta say, I gotta, I gotta toot my own horn real quick. Yeah. I am on point with these topic pictures today. <laughs> oh yes, that, that looks awesome. That does look really good. I, I just came back here to the stream and it, I, do, I do approve. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see here on Twitch, uh, thanks to Aaron and his, edit, his great editing skills. <laughs> He's doing, what is that? The, is that from Community? It's like it's like Ken Jong, yeah. Ken Jong doing like, that. He's like he's looking at the uh, the cheat paper and he's like <laughs> squinting. <laughs> yeah. So Zack Snyder on Twitter, uh, I think it was last week sometime. He released 
a full color image of Darkseid from the Snyder Cut. So, as you know from last episode, and if you've seen Justice League, Darkseid is obviously not in the movie anywhere. So, we're alluding, based on this image here, that he is officially going to be in the Justice League cut of... Uh, or the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So, my question to you is... Oh, and to quickly go back to episode 6 as well, we <laughs> talked about how Darkseid wasn't even going to show up until the second uh, or Justice League 2 of that trilogy. What is the what is the role here of Darkseid? What is he going to do in this Justice League movie? Because apparently a lot of this has already been filmed. They're literally just putting CGI and recutting the film. I would like to see more time spent in with Nightmare Batman. Okay, yeah. You know, I'd like to see... So this is what I would like to see. I would like to see them kind of delve deeper into the world that was created, like that was, you know, that was flashed in the, um, Batman his Superman. dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, because one thing that we, that was like, in one of the, the, uh, the cut scenes was like, we talked about last episode, we saw the Omega symbol, mm-hmm. you know, like basically burned into the earth's surface, mm-hmm. you know, and super, or spite, or Batman, one of those animals, um, <laughs> Batman's like overlooking the landscape and you see that the Omega symbol, I would like to see that be the end of the dream sequence. Sure. Yeah. Like I would like to see a flash of dark side and like that's the reason and then boom, wake up. Yeah. Grab a bush and wake up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what they're going to do here. Uh, my, I think I talked about it on our official Twitter page, but I'm going to say it here as well. I'm really happy that this version, again, it's hard to see. It's kind of a really low-res quality image of the dark side that's going to appear in the movie. I'm glad he's not just some hulking gray monster like Steppenwolf was and like how Doomsday was in Batman v Superman. I'm glad that we have something a little bit uh, colorful. I think here's the cool thing about this new Snyder Cut as well. I want, I'm segueing here. He, can, he has the luxury of seeing what his original plan was, what went wrong with the Joss Whedon stuff, and knowing that this is the end, this is essentially going to be the end of the Zack Snyder verse in the DCEU. So he could take all of that knowledge and give the fans what they want and learn from past mistakes. So mm-hmm. he can. And he knows they'll watch it. People, yeah. If people are going to sit down through a six hour version of Lord of the Rings, you know, mm-hmm. they'll watch four hours of Superman and Batman and these guys beating the crap out of a quality movie, you know? Right. And they've, they've kind of hinted at the fact that Zack Snyder's actually not going to release this in all one lump, lump slump, slump, all one, one lump, sl- I can't even some. say it. Some, one thank lump you. Some. <laughs> I got a little tongue tied. So he's not going to release it all at once. He's basically going to uh, split it up into six parts and release it in one hour segments. So it's, yeah, it's going to be about four and a half to five hours and that's going to be about 45 minutes per episode. If my math Give checks out. Forrest Whitaker eye. Yeah, it's a lot. So they're debating on how they want to actually do that. I'm, Just I'm, give it to the people, man. Well, it, it's we got people intrigued. HBO Max was very, a very successful launch. I have it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I'm curious. I'm I'm really wanting to know what they're going to do here with Darkseid because they're not going to be able to do all the things that we said they would do in Episode Six. They're not going to be able to destroy Earth and put the heroes essentially in the worst possible scenario that they that where they have to band together with you know four or five of them. So if they're going to show Dark Side in the movie, it's probably going to be very sparingly. I don't know. Yeah, my friend Erin uh, Devlin, she says that she is going to watch it no matter what. Yeah, I probably will too. I can assume that you probably will as well. They have our yeah. money. Oh yeah, 
So, so I wanted to kind of, uh, if I can touch base, like we talked about Henry Cavill's battle with, you know, Superman's battle with Zod through the, I don't want to say the streets of Metropolis, but that was honestly one of the things that I had been, so as a kid, watching science fiction movies, there's a couple of things that I always dreamed of seeing a quality version of. Mm-hmm. That's giant robots beating the crap out of each other in a cityscape. I got that with Pacific Rim, all right? And then, like, two superheroes, or a supervillain and a superhero, beating the crap out of each other across a city, sure. you know, to on, on the right scale. Mm-hmm. And I got that. I received that. My 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 goal was met. My dream was, was came to fruition with that battle. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking, they, I mean, they had laser vision. They had, you know, they were... Like like sonic explosions from their from their you know their punches. It was almost like watching like the only thing that could be better would be to see like uh you know like when Goku bought, you know fought like Frieza and they were both evenly matched. It's just like all you see is in the in this in the sky. Yeah, they basically you know? destroy that whole planet. Exactly. That's yeah. like the only thing that could make it a little bit better. Right. You know, but they did a great job in my opinion. So, and also I will say this: uh, if you've ever if you ever want to see something that's freaking hilarious. Uh, so the guy who played General Zod was Michael Shannon, mm-hmm. and if you've never seen it, you have to Google Michael Shannon reads sorority letter. Okay, <laughs> I it it is the funniest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> on like on like I think it was like Funny or Die or something originally created and hosted. It's so good. Sure, yeah. Michael Shannon's mostly known as a very serious actor. He doesn't do very many very many comedic roles. So to see him do something like that is pretty funny. And also, I want to say for the record, I really like Michael Shannon as, as General Zod. I think he did a great job, uh, yes. especially with what was given to him. My, so my rebuttal with, with your fight, I'm sorry, I have to say this right now because I'll forget. So they level Smallville, and then they eventually transport the fight to Metropolis. The, the whole thing, the reason why I don't love that is because I feel like Superman, he's the type of hero that would take this. He would take it elsewhere. Like, and we, I realize that this is a very new version of Superman. He probably hasn't learned his lesson as far as, like, how to take a fight somewhere else. That, that way he's not destroying a whole town. But, like, I, I don't want to, like, substitute eye candy for the core of the character. That's just my preference, obviously. The, the idea that Superman would allow possibly thousands, maybe even millions of people be in danger just to, you know, squash a fight with his... Is there a relation to General Zod? I think they're just. I think their dad, his dad, and Zod knew each other. I think they were like. Yeah, they were just. I mean, there's. I, I've seen some other like storylines where he's actually like related. Yeah. And I think from what I saw, also like Zod is actually more, may possibly closer related to Supergirl. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Because they're not technically. Well, they're cousins. They're cousins. Yeah. Kara L and and Cor- and yeah, Kal El are supposed to be cousins also. Yeah, right. Um. But. So to, to battle you, to discuss this with you, mm-hmm. which is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. All right, so if we're talking Man of Steel battle, Man of Steel storyline, Zod versus Superman, Clark Kent, this is really his, I don't want to say swan song, because it's not really, like, this is his, his, his coming out party, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. In that movie, there was nothing at all that had been done really by Superman for, on, on, a, on a large scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been seen, he's rescued people, he is a hero, uh, but he's not very, like, he's not known to the world, obviously. Sure. He got called out by Zod. So that means there's been no huge battles anywhere. So this is really the first time that he's fa- he's facing off against somebody of his caliber. 
Right. So, yeah, true. He doesn't know. Like, th- this is him struggling, actually, to hold his own, probably, against a trained soldier, you know, uh, who, who uh, you know, through discipline, again, so we're talking about through discipline, went from absolutely nothing to blowing his suit off and, like, flying within moments. <laughs> So there was no way for him like that was that was a phenomenal scene. You could see like he embodied like a soldier and the dedication to the fight in that moment. It was amazing. Right. You know? I, and so that's what I really liked was the fact that he, he embodied that 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 any like Superman just was having a hard time keeping his own. Right. Yeah, for the first time, like you said, ever. So yeah, it's not really an aesthetic thing. Like the, again, the image of it and the spectacle of the movie is incredible. Like you said, I love seeing it. I think it's more of a creative thing that I just, yeah. I, I don't know if I, when you, when you have, but I agree character, with what you said, right. It, when you, when you have a yeah. character as powerful as Superman, you do have to find someone his own match. Zack Snyder is known for being big and bombastic and explosions. And like I said, he's like a darker Michael Bay. I said that last episode and I, I, I think I said in the moment that it wasn't a great comparison, but I think I tend to agree with it more now he he is very much about the spectacle of it than more the qual or the content of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've talked about Zack Snyder for so much. We need to we need to move <laughs> on now. Scott Derrickson is set to helm a sequel to Jim Henson's Labyrinth. So some of you may know we, we recently talked about Doctor Strange. Scott Derrickson was the director of that Marvel Studios movie. He recently dropped out of the sequel, and Sam Raimi took over as Doctor Strange number two. So obviously Scott Derrickson needs something new to work on. If you're not familiar with Scott Derrickson, he obviously, like I said, did Doctor Strange. He also did Exorcism of Emily Rose in 2005. And he also did Sinister in 2012, which if you haven't seen either one of those, uh, I would say, I would I would suggest you watch Sinister because the Exorcism of Emily Rose is not great. But obviously he has a horror background. So if you're not familiar with Labyrinth, first of all, what are you doing? Secondly, the original film starred David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. It was released originally released in 1986 and now has a huge cult following. I think it might have been a theatrical failure. I don't think it ever made its money back, but now it's incredibly popular. Jim Henson, pretty much everything he's done now, has gained some type of cult following. So my question is, with the Scott Derrickson inclusion now as director, are we assuming that maybe Labyrinth the reboot here might have a little bit more of a, hunt, a horror undertone with Derrickson at the helm. I'm just going to go with, if you haven't seen a lot of Jim Henson's works, mm-hmm. the detail and the imagination that has gone into a lot of his creatures is truly horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you, if, so I can honestly say that uh, if you didn't think that there was a horror aspect to, aspect to them already, right. there definitely was. Like, I'm talking the Skeksis from the dark crystal you know the goblins from the the labyrinth like a Mm -hmm. lot of these creatures were like horrifyingly like disturbing for children sure so i could see them kind of trying to to maybe take it a little bit more but also they could just be wanting so obviously like a like a horror director Mm -hmm. and producer like they have a team already of like people that are able to create like certain things so they may just want the quality of those teams working together again to create something that is very detailed. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Derrickson does here. Because like you said, a lot of Henson's stuff does kind of a little bit of a, a horror undertone to it already. Yeah. So maybe adding a little bit more of a thriller aspect to this um, Labyrinth reboot. Might be yeah. the right idea. I mean, you also got to see if it, how it translates to today's, like, 
like so it for me it's really hard to take a classic movie like this mm-hmm. and then because it's not really it's not a reimagining it's not a retelling it's not a reboot it's supposed to be a sequel right so they really have to take something that is iconic and how do you how do you, i mean again like i mean like we talked about you and i talked about tron legacy you right. know how do you take something that's so iconic and really like add to it while improving it sure i did read something on the internet the other day that the the goblin king so david bowie's character yeah um at the end of the original labyrinth now spoiler alert eh, 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 you know spoiler alert, insert, insert you know klaxon that's the name of the actual siren sound klaxon there it is said that um the love that the goblin king felt for i think her name was sarah anyways whatever i'm sorry i forgot her name but anyways supposedly the love that he felt for her and for he actually you know kind of fell in love with having the baby mm-hmm. as well he turned himself into an owl and stayed in the real world so he actually there is no goblin king in the the in that world anymore so we're gonna have to see how they really tell this story like who's taken over could this be like another you know, one of those things where it's like there's a power vacuum and sure. somebody else has risen and is like, you know, was biding their time to come back and get the baby again or get the next baby. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I've only seen Labyrinth once. So, and I'm familiar with a lot of Jim Henson's work, obviously Sesame Street, The Dark Crystal, you know, a lot of his stuff has continued to be popular long after. And he's, he's official. He's, he's passed, hasn't he? He recently passed. Who, Jim Henson? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He recently, I think he passed away. Uh, oh no, oh, not recently. Actually, he died in 1990. I thought, I thought it was a, a couple years ago, but yeah, 1990 is when he officially passed. So, a lot of his work has continued to live on, and I think that that says a lot about the popularity of character of these of these properties. So yeah, and you and you can see, yeah, I mean, like he did some Sesame Street characters. Like I went to actually a Jim Henson exhibit sure. uh, when I was living in like Seattle. Mm-hmm. They actually, so they have uh, underneath the, the Seattle Space Needle, they have the, it's called the elect, the EMP, the Electric Music Experience or Electronic Music Experience, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a museum dedicated to music. There's a lot of uh, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix guitars, all uh, Prince outfits, all that stuff. But right next door, kind of, it's almost a, um, what do you call it? Like a duplex. Sure. So on the other side is the Science Fiction Museum. And when I was there, they had an exhibit for Jim Henson. So they had like a lot of stuff that that was based off of the, you know, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Sesame Street, all that stuff. A Fraggle Rock, yep. which was Jim Henson. Yep. You know, so there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. And again, like I say, at the beginning of the conversation, I said that a lot of the things, a lot of the creatures, a lot of the animatronics that he created were so detailed mm-hmm. and otherworldly. They were they were scary, right. you know, but I still love them. Yeah. So we talked about it, I think, in episode five with max about how horror a lot of the best horror films are all in camera there's not a lot of cgi and i think the same can be said about jim henson a lot of his properties they very rarely ever use a lot of cgi it's a lot of in camera like practical effects so i'm really curious to see what scott derrickson does because basically his specialty is horror i would say uh, doctor strange it's a lot of cgi obviously marvel studios is always going to invest in that stuff disney has that type of money so I'm curious what they're going to do here. I hope that they stay true to the Jim Henson vision and go a lot of practical. I think that would be the best idea for this for this mm-hmm. new generation of, of Labyrinth. All righty. Moving on here. We have one more bit of news here. Go, I, go ahead and actually introduce this one because I, ex- yeah, I exited out of my it. drive. No problem. <laughs> so according to Entertainment Scooper Daniel Richman, Lucasfilms is developing a live-action Admiral Thrawn. Admiral Thrawn. Neither of us can speak today. <laughs> Admiral Thrawn series. So Grand Admiral Thrawn was created by Timothy Zahn, 
and made his debut in the novel Heir to the Empire. He's a member of the Chris Chis. Oh, I was almost going to say a Chris race, but I Chris like Chris race. race better. Yeah, Chris race. Um, and as an Imperial military commander who took control of the Galactic Empire five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. The character was pulled out of the extended universe and explored in an animated series, Star Wars Rebels, which I personally have not watched yet, and is making his debut, or made his debut in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you cast as Thrawn, and would you like to see him show up in a live-action film? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the the casting of uh, Thrawn in the live-action, because this says here, yeah, live-action. We talked about it before the show. I would really love to see Matt Smith take on. There was a the rumor that he was actually going to play Thrawn in Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, that didn't happen. I wonder, they, they said that he was on set one day. So I wonder if maybe he was just like a stormtrooper or something. But there was a rumor. Mm-hmm. I would still love to see that, though. I would love to see Matt Smith's version of General... Th- uh, of, uh, what is it? Grand Admiral. I almost said General. Grand Admiral Thrawn. So I don't actually don't know a ton about Thrawn. Are you familiar with him? That, I know he's blue. That's really the only thing that I know. I know, like I said, I know he shows up in Star Wars Rebels, so I don't know a ton about him. I think it would be cool to. I'm, I'm a huge fan of what Star Wars has been doing, specifically Lucasfilms, doing with as far as taking a lot of the more popular stuff from the expanded universe, back mm-hmm. in the day from the Dark Horse stuff and the old Marvel comic stuff, and bringing it into the current continuity because they they realize what the fans want. They want some of those old characters they loved. So I'm a huge fan of of them bringing in Thrawn and, and putting him into the live action. I'm curious. There isn't really. There's not a ton of information on this outside of because this is actually even this is a rumor from an entertainment scooper, Daniel Richmond. So we don't know this for a fact. This has not been confirmed. This is obviously just a rumor. But I'm a big fan of this. So is there anybody outside of Matt Smith that you would like to see? So my thing for him is, I mean, he was yes, he was in the expanded universe, which I believe Lucas George Lucas ended up saying was non-canon. Yeah. And so when they sold. Uh, Lucasfilm when they sold to Disney they yeah. basically nixed all that ex- like 40 years of expanded universe stuff and said nope no longer canon now everything that Marvel puts out from here on out that's officially canon so he's supposed to be known as like a like a, a strategic genius and it's like a strategic genius and military commander to be honest I don't really see uh, Matt Smith really pulling that off well I think that if I if I wanted if I and this is going to sound bad, but I tend to, like, ever since I saw the original trilogy, you know, a majority of these officers, and I feel like they've continued to, to, to continue this trend. A lot of the empirical officers mm-hmm. had a British accent. <laughs> Matt Smith is British. I, I know he's British, but what I'm saying is, so, like, I can't really go and say, like, I want this American actor who does not have an, uh, an English accent. To uh-huh. say to be in this part, so I mean, if we were looking at like devious characters that had an English accent that had like that kind of look to them, I mean, I could see somebody honestly, and and not to to go back to another doctor, but Chris mm-hmm. Eggleston. Yeah, I could see that. You know, to me, he he is one of the most talented actors when it comes to like going between being just he can be he can be funny, he can be maniacal. He can be evil. He can be dastardly. He he's done so much, you know. Yeah. And it, to me, like even like because he was in GI Joe. He, I think he was he was um, Destro. And so he was also in Thor: The Dark World. He was he was. Um, yeah, yeah. He was the dark. He was the elf. The 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 leader of the elves. Yeah, it starts with an M. Hold on, let me look it up. Malachi. Malachi. That. Yep. Thank you. That's who it is. So 
Yeah, I agree. I, I like that cast. <laughs> I like that casting for for General Thrawn. Again, this is our. I just said it, General Thrawn. It's not General Thrawn. It's Grand Admiral. I want to give him by. I want to say his correct rank. You know. So. Yeah. Devlin said she wants to see Jeremy Irons. Okay, I think Jeremy might be a tad old. You know, like they like when they cast these new characters. They always like someone that they can sign a eight year you know eight film contract with <laughs> yeah so i think jeremy irons is probably in his early 70s you think maybe or maybe mid 60s yeah. so did you watch okay and i gotta ask you i'm sorry to interrupt but did you no, watch the 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 uh the watchman did you watch the watchman show yeah absolutely so you know obviously he played osmond diaz uh-huh. and he uh, and he was fantastic in that so i could see him as being because that's I mean literally it's the same character he was a strategic genius he was he was a just a smart mother effer and mm-hmm. he was just he, he he portrays he can go from being kind of like oh, I'm a I'm a crusty old man who doesn't know anything to being like this guy who's like literally playing everybody for a fool right yeah Jeremy Irons kind of he kind of embodies that British posh like I'm above you type of thing Mm -hmm. and i could see i would love to see that as again not knowing anything about him i would love to see thrawn take on that similar personality where he is like he just feels he's above everyone so i got one question though and this is gonna bug me but why have we never seen sean connery in a star wars movie i think sean connery is done with genre films after he got burned with league of extraordinary gentlemen he does not want to i haven't i haven't even seen him in any movies recently in general have you i honestly now that i think about it i I don't think i have i think he literally got burned so badly with league of extraordinary gentlemen that he is i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed that movie in like a terrible way Uh, yeah it's it's definitely like you know turn your brain off and watch it kind of thing so for our main topic this week we're doing a battle royale let's get ready to And we thought this would be fun for Aaron and I both to pick six fighters that we would like to pit up against each other and basically have them fight it out. We'll, we'll basically be making our case for each of our fighters to see who we think would win in these particular fights. So here are the rules of our battle royale. Like I said, we both have six fighters. We're going to choose them randomly. And this fight's going to take place in an arena with indestructible walls with no cover or shields for either participant. The battlefield will be exactly 200 feet long and 85 feet wide, which is basically the same size of a standard professional hockey rink. The participants will have whatever's on them based on their general inventory. So the example that I have here is that, for instance, if one of us picked Doc Brown, we would think that he would probably have the DeLorean on him. Maybe he would have Einstein on him as well. Maybe a couple of screwdrivers or, you know, general equipment. Plutonium? He probably would have some plutonium on him, but just enough, like not too much, but just enough to like be short almost. The The fight here has to end in death. I know that's kind of bleak, but the two fighters have to fight to the death. They cannot bring any reinforcements unless the scenario allows it. 
And there could be no ties. It has to end in a in a W for one of our participants. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> Each so there, six random fighters. Six random fighters. I have mine laid out right next to me here, all face down. Each scenario will have one specific spin on the match. So the example I have here is that uh, the battle could take place in, in the dark. It could have a large body of water in the middle of the arena. The arena could have no oxygen in it. The possibilities are endless. So, Aaron, are you ready for our first ever I'm absolutely bat- ready. battle royale? All right. So pick randomly. I'm, I'm absolutely ready. Let me go ahead and set okay. the stage here. So special setting for battle number one is there is this match has zero gravity. So the dome is completely weightless. It's basically like fighting on the moon. So I'm going to pick my random guy here. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, All right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to pick this one. All right, I'm ready. One, two, three. What is yours? I don't know if you can see. Mine is Master Chief. Oh, mine's, why is mine back? But mine's Master Chief from Halo Guardians. Okay, mine is red from Pokemon Red and Blue. So, both of our characters are officially in the arena. I think we talked about it before the show, but I'm going to say it here now. Red from Pokemon Red and Blue, let's say he has three Pokemon with him. I'm going to say he has his Pikachu, he has his Charizard, and he has his Poliwhirl or Poliwrath. We'll say that just for, you know, different typing. So, interesting. What do you think? This is zero gravity. So I think Master Chief might have a little bit of an advantage, correct? Yes. So we got to talk about what Master Chief has. Okay. All right. So I'm going to agree. So you, what are your three Pokemon that, that Red has with him? Pikachu, Charizard, and Poliwrath. All right. I'm going to agree with all those only because I don't think that I could switch out a good Pokemon that would, you know, be worthy enough. Unless it was something like Butterfree uh-huh. or, you know, like something, something iconic or like Jigglypuff. His original six Pokemon were Pikachu, Venusaur, Charizard... Blastoise, Poliwhirl, Poliwrath, sorry, and Snorlax. Those are his first six. So, yeah, I think either way it's fine. So, yeah, you definitely have the advantage here. What what are some of Master Chief's specific abilities or weapons that he'll bring with him in this fight? I'm going to say, so, and you can let me know. if I, I, I'm going to say that he, if he were to bring things into the fight, mm-hmm. all right, I would say he would bring a rocket launcher as okay. one of them, besides his, his sidearm. What's the blade that they have? Yeah, the the I mean the the laser energy the, blade the energy energy blade. But I'm not I'm not gonna say he's gonna have that. I'm gonna say that he has a warthog. Okay. Does that really a, help? This has zero gravity in this arena. Okay. Well, I mean, if anything, then it's gonna be he's gonna have one of those those little the the ghosts. Yeah, the ghosts. Or yeah. the the or is it the wraith? The wraith. Yeah. The one that flies. Okay. The wraith. All right. That's that's my flying hands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so he's got a a wraith a rocket launcher i'm trying not to make him too overpowerful in this but this these are things that he would have let's say he has you know? three things yeah and then and then i'm gonna I, i'm gonna go and and again this is besides his his standard like little nine mil pistol and then i'm gonna go with uh the sticky grenades the the uh the plasma grenades okay all right so well i think Red would probably, for the first Pokemon he would send out, he'd probably send out Charizard first. That's an obvious because he could fly. So Charizard can fly he, through. There's no, there's no gravity. Yeah, but he can still glide through. Like, he has the ability to fly in some capacity. You know, like, he can glide. No? You don't think so? 
I don't because flying n- needs gravity. There has to be like the the pressure of lift, you know. Uh huh. Unless you have something to push off of. I think you know? he can still use his his wings to like push himself, you know. Because you can still like you can still like float in space. And you can, you like, can float, but the only reason you can move is if you have kinetic energy p- pushing you. Okay. Well, I'm sending out Charizard regardless. I think that's the first <laughs> one he would choose. Yes, but and I, I and I believe that he could disperse energy. So I'm gonna I'm, I, I shouldn't be giving you the tips. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he could probably use his flames to like, you know, somehow. Do you think Charizard would be able to use flames? Because doesn't doesn't fire require oxygen? We're not talking about zero oxygen. We're just talking about zero gravity. So oh, we're not okay. in the vacuum of space. Right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You know. Right. Okay. So what do you think? Who would, like off the top, who do you think would win this? Honestly, I think it would be the Master Chief. Okay. Why do you think that he would probably And win? I say that because Pokemon only have a certain amount of HP. Sure. Whereas the Chief has energy shields. Okay. Well, doesn't, doesn't Master Chief have a specific amount of energy as well in the game? He does. Once the shield is gone, but the shield does regenerate. Okay. So as long as he takes cover enough before his, his shield is gone... There's no cover in these arenas. There's no cover. Okay. Well, he can still avoid and run around, you know, depending on... So depending on the... <laughs> I, and I'm saying this because also he's in a suit, and I'm pretty sure he has, like, magnetic boots. Okay. Whereas I don't know what the, the surface is like on the edge of these arenas. So, the you know, if, there's, if there is a ground, uh-huh. or if this is just, like, a big, like, just... It's just a dome. A, yeah, it's a dome. So there's going to be some surfaces that he can Push use off his. Off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 also, I think that Master Chief has more experience fighting in zero G. Yeah. Than Pokemon do. Sure. So and then also again, yeah. I just I mean, uh, I feel like he would have the upper hand strategically. Mm-hmm. He also he also doesn't have to wait for commands. That's true. Yeah. So I. I was actually going to say this a minute ago, and I, I completely agree with you. I just wanted to hear the debate. I think Master Chief wins this as well because he is a master strategist. He is like the ultimate soldier in the Halo universe. And the Pokemon, while if this was a normal arena with just normal gravity, I think they would probably put up a little bit more fight and have a chance to win. But the fact that Master Chief, he actually a lot of his fighting takes place in space anyway. I think that his experience with zero gravity and the fact that he doesn't have to take any commands and that Red is 12 years old. I think Master Chief <laughs> is probably going to win this one pretty handedly. Okay, are you still 12 years old if it's been 36 years? In the Pokemon universe, yes, because Ash has been 12 since 99. Yeah. So <laughs> so we'll give the first match to Master Chief. He beats Red in pretty hand. He, he, he beats the Charizard. Polyrath doesn't even put up a fight. And then Pikachu comes out, gives him a little bit of a fight, but eventually falls. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir finishing this fight okay so battle number two here's the specific setting of this match or the the specific rule of this match this match has the arena's walls inch closer each 30 seconds so it'll slowly start to close in on the fighter every 30 seconds okay you ready to pick your fighter (laughs) yep all right i'm going with ready this one all right yep Mine says Silver Surfer from Silver Surfer Black. Why are you trying to destroy us? I am not the destroyer. All right, mine says Kirby from Dreamland. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's kind of a weird one. 
All right. So, off the top, Silver Surfer from Silver Surfer Black. This is a version of Silver Surfer who has been to the edge of the universe. He's essentially been traveling the void of space for hundreds of thousands of years. So he's seen a lot of things. This is basically the end of Silver Surfer. This is like the end of his life, towards the end of his life at least. And the big caveat is that Silver Surfer is beginning to use up his power cosmic. So his, his arm, starting at his arm, is slowly starting to turn like this black, like kind of like the, the black of space. It's, it's essentially mm-hmm. like eating at him. And by the end of the story, he is completely black. Like he's got like this like weird kind of black purpley look to him. And eventually he shows up in the Donny Cates Thanos Wind storyline. So that's, that's like the, the very end of the universe with co- the Cosmic Ghost Rider, Silver Surfer Black, and Old Man Thanos. Really great storyline. That's Silver Surfer Black. Can you go ahead and explain Kirby to us, Aaron? Kirby is a small, round, pink. He looks a lot like Jigg- Jigglypuff, just like creature. <laughs> yeah. His main abilities are uh, that he's able to inhale uh, his enemies at a fierce speed and then assimilate some of their abilities. So depending on what their like uh, stronger characteristics are, he actually may... Uh, so his body can actually expand... His mouth and body can expand to the size to encompass his enemies and then, um, again, take over some of their abilities. Mm-hmm. Or not take over, but really like borrow their abilities and some of their physical appearance. So, for example, if you've ever played Super Smash Brothers, he does this to just about every character. If it's Yoshi, he's able to take his green appearance, like the shell and like boots, and he can inhale a character with his... or suck in a character with a tongue. Dirty. Um, and then put <laughs> poop them out in an egg. Yep. Um, for Samus, he gets like her helmet and then can shoot lasers. So there's like, you know, and so I, I guess if I were to say, if he were to somehow inhale the Silver Surfer, uh-huh. he would take maybe like a blackish sheen he, and he, have like, and have a board. He would gain the power cosmic essentially. Yes. Yeah. Well, at least, at least a, a fraction of it. Sure. So he's able, he's also able to fly cause he can make himself buoyant and lighter than air. And then he can also... I think he can turn himself into like a rock and smash down on the ground. So he he has the ability to like change his his density and his appearance. Yes. Like his, he his, yeah. He takes on the the characteristics of whoever he swallows. Okay, that makes sense. So in this scenario here, like I said at the beginning, battle number two means that the walls will slowly be closing in. So I think that gives Kirby a slight advantage because the closer that Silver Surfer gets to Kirby is the it gives Kirby the better chance to eventually consume him in some way. Now, I think that if Silver Surfer, he's not afraid to kill. He does it in the comic in the comics quite a bit. He definitely doesn't prefer to do it, but he's not opposed to it. So I think knowing what he knows, as soon as the walls start to close in, I think Silver Surfer eventually starts to use the power cosmic from the get-go. Now, does Kirby have the ability to consume that power cosmic when he shoots it at him? I wonder. I don't no, know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he can. I think he has to actually consume the actual the person person gotcha. to to gain the the abilities. Okay, so I guess the question is, and this is my this is what I think here the, as far as the results of the match. I think Silver Surfer wins this one as long as he doesn't also, drag it out. I don't know if this is a factor, but he's only eight inches tall. <laughs> okay, uh, I, th- I would say Silver Surfer is the size of your basic, you know, like your adult male. So he's probably like six two or three with the board six four six five yes so i would i would dare to say that i think silver surfer probably wins this one as long as he doesn't get too close now if he drags this fight out too long i think kirby wins it mm-hmm. what do you think 
I would say so. We gotta we gotta look at this potentially like situationally. There's so many ways to approach this. I, I like I like arguments and I like discussions. So I would say that you could consider um, Kirby to be innocent looking and only eight inches tall. Uh-huh. Is is he unassuming to the point where he could sneak up on the Silver Surfer without him noticing him? Sure. Um, like uh, is and this then a, therefore is this like a scenario where like Silver Surfer because Silver Surfer is very the part of the reason why I love him. He's one of my favorite Marvel characters. Is that he is very he's almost like naive he just assumes that everyone is as good as he is and he he's very powerful he's one of those par- powerful marvel characters in the universe but a lot of times he doesn't use that full power unless he absolutely has to so yes. it's very possible that kirby this little pink ball shows up to him and he just assumes that this is a very like passive you know creature and he goes to approach and like learn like why are we in this arena why did we just show up here why are the walls slowly closing in and then kirby exactly goes, and that's yeah, and that's another thing. It's like, uh, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. So, I mean, I would say that if we're if if we're talking definitely like a like a like a battle royale, like they know they have to fight each other to to, to survive. I would think that yes, I w- I would submit that the Silver Surfer, knowing that this was the only way of survival, yeah, would would do what he needed to do to to take out Kirby because okay. I don't think it would be much of a I don't think it would be much of a uh, an ability. You're talking about powers cosmic. And you're talking about a little guy that can, you know, inhale him to maybe get a portion or get like a like an ability of the surfer, and that's pr- probably about it. Because sure. you don't even know if he's able to access what the silver surfer has. Again, he may just get the board and be able to fly around. Right. So I don't. I think really it, it all boils down to what does Kirby get, and because that is too broad to answer, I think it goes straight to the to the silver surfer. Right, and also we have to determine how long the fight last does kirby even have a chance yes. does he even have a chance to get yes. close enough to him also i forgot to mention in the beginning not to add insult to injury but uh, silver surfer black also has mjolnir for some reason he has it at the end of the universe because when he goes to attack thanos and thanos wins he has he's again all black and he has mjolnir with him so mm, okay. so yeah so i guess i don't know if we want to include that in the fight but again i don't think it really matters based on what we decided i will no longer serve this is the end for us both. Alrighty, battle number three. This match allows each participant to call one reinforcement during the fight at any point. Ooh, this could be good. You ready? Yes. Alright. Uh... <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. What does yours say? Mine says Kevin from Home Alone. Clayface from Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> See? I figured out how to manage this thing pretty good. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm calling this right now. All the way Clayface. Okay. Go ahead and tell us who Clayface is. What is... And Don't give the reinforcement yet. We'll give that at the end. Who, who is Clayface? Okay. I don't even know if he needs a reinforcement, but I'm going to tell you who Clayface is. So uh, I'll tell you what I know about Clayface, first of all. So from the Batman the Animated Storyline, Clayface was an actor. I'm trying to remember what his actual name was. Okay, so Basil Carlo. So he was a an actor who basically started to lose his look, started to get old, started to age. And so in the show, uh, a guy that he was working with had created this this goop, basically, that he was able to put on his face 
and this chemical allowed him to kind of like reformulate his his bone structure and his face and everything to make him look young again and he can actually he started using it more and more not only out of addiction but to also you know be a criminal so he was able to turn his face into just about anybody and then like rob banks and all this and in during one of his capers i'm gonna call it a caper uh-huh. during one of his crimes he was um i think he went to actually no i think actually one of his crimes was to go and steal more of this chemical because he was running out uh-huh so he actually gets as much as he can of it and ends up, you know, much like the Joker, falling into a situation where he's completely covered by the by the goop and becomes en- engrossed in it and, and almost and basically his entire form takes on the abilities of this of this clay. Right. And therefore he can, you know, through through just thought alone, he ends up being able to turn himself into whatever, look like whatever, mm-hmm. and, you know, becomes he becomes the villain clayface. Okay. So, if you're not familiar with Home Alone, Kevin is <laughs> Macaulay Culkin in the movie, <laughs> and he essentially is left at home. His par- he has a falling out with his huge family, and they're scheduled to go to Paris the next day. And his mom sends him up to his up to his room uh, to sleep for the night to essentially separate himself from the family. And they forget about him the next day. They go to Paris, and he's left at home alone, just like in the title. And at the same time, there are these robbers played by Joe Pesci and who's the other guy? Ah, oh, I'll look it up. Okay, I'll, you keep. I'll keep going here. The guy <laughs> love that movie so damn much. <laughs> so basically, Kevin, while these people are trying to, while these two guys are trying to rob the house while the family is away, Kevin Daniel assist- Stern and Joe Pesci. Yeah, Daniel Stern is his name. He has to. He sets up these like death traps for these two guys throughout the entire movie. So, like I said at the beginning, the battle setting is that both of our participants can call in one reinforcement. Do you have a reinforcement that you would even want to call for this fight? Because I know who mine is. A reinforcement. Is it like a supervillain that you think would help Clayface in this moment? I'm going to call on the old guy from the, from the movie, the noir movie, You Filthy Animal. Oh. <laughs> that's who Kevin's going to bring in. He's going to have a Tommy gun with him. Oh, uh, I think, um, not snakes. Uh, I don't remember that dude's name. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't even think he, I mean, who would he call? I I, say, I know he teamed up with, uh, he's got a good relationship. Other people. He's got a good relationship with penguin and he's got a good relationship with two face in the animated series. I'm going to go with two face. Okay. So he's got, I'm going to go with two face. Harvey Dent has joined the game. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, First off, we're in a big arena. There's nothing here except for the, the small amount of little trinkets that Kevin has and an old guy with a Tommy gun. We've got Bat- two of Batman's biggest villains of all time, Clayface and Two-Face. Clay- Two-Face, there's three faces in this on your side. I've only got two. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so off the top, I think that Kevin would immediately start setting up traps. Now, here's what I think. I think Clayface might immediately... I wonder if Clayface would have any way of knowing what Kevin's parents look like. Because then he could like transform himself into one of his parents. That way Kevin would want to attack him. What do you think? Mm-hmm. That's what That was my argument was going to be. Clayface could really impersonate just about anybody. Right. Whether it be his sister, whether it be his parents. Yep. Or his mom. Because that's, I mean, that's what I would say would happen. Because you saw what happened at the end of, you know, uh, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. You know, his mom walks in. 
she barely even says anything he says mom and then they run and they you know they embrace right or i think she said like i'm like, oh kevin you know but yeah i would say like all he's got to do is like turn into kevin's mom and like kevin will run up and be like you know thro- throat chop the little a-hole yeah and and that's the end of it you know he doesn't even need to call uh, uh the reinforcements right yeah i think this is a pretty easy one i think it would be fun under a different scenario because i think kevin would actually stand a chance but i think clayface has a definite advantage because if we're talking about the kevin that we have now he's learned his lesson he's had two movies to learn or multiple movies now i think without macaulay Culkin. but he's had movies to learn his lesson he loves his parents. He loves his family. He treats them right. But he also is, yeah. he's a smarter he's a smarter strategist now. He has yeah. more more traps at his disposal. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's tough to give like a definitive winner here. But my gut is telling me Clayface because I think in the end, like I said there in the beginning, he's going to take the the image of his mom and use that against. Him. Also, it wasn't like Kevin was really based on any like psychological or really i mean yeah he had technology but it was all like pretty much defensive based right you know so whether it was whether you could say like i mean i really haven't seen any of the newer ones like the with you know like you know the with the kid that was not macaulay culkin right but yeah unless you give him time to set up his traps you know or but even if he did set up traps think about this clayface just just as clayface is walking in the house all of a sudden it's like uh, you see Kevin at the top of the stairs, so you're going to walk up the stairs, uh-huh. and he's going to drop a pipe into your face. Oh, I'm Clayface. <laughs> right. So that doesn't hurt me. It's just going to go straight through me. You know, it's going to be like T-1000 walking through a prison cell. You know, it's not going to hurt him. None of this stuff is going to hurt him. Right. Yeah. I think he might be a little outmatched here. The only thing I just... I <laughs> Does Clayface have anything against killing children? Because that's the only thing he'd have to decide. <laughs> I would assume he he would. Does he have any yeah. kids himself? Sometimes if they have children, they don't. They choose not to kill the children. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so Clayface is the yeah. winner of that match. That's two versus one, I'm just saying. Yeah, right yeah, now, it's two yeah. versus one. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. <laughs> Whatever. All right. All right, the next arena. Go ahead can and give I, us... Can I announce this Yeah, I say, give battle number four to us. Okay, so battle number four. This match is surrounded by a crowd of 60,000 people. All right. Who are all shooting one arrow, whip, all right, with a bow and arrow towards the fighters every two minutes. So, so we, tonight, we dine in hell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you basically have a playoff football game crowd all shooting arrows at these two fighters every two minutes. So, mm-hmm. are you ready to pick your random fighter? Yes. All right. I have one in here that I know would definitely lose in this scenario. <laughs> I'm going to go three. Are we taking? Are we already, have yeah, we already, I got have mine. We already picked? I've got mine. Three, okay. two. Oh, I did. What? You ready? I, I looked. Okay. I looked. That's okay. Three, okay. two, one. All right. Mine's backwards, but it's Captain America from Endgame. This is the fight of our lives. And we're going to win. Whatever it takes. Mine is Swamp Thing from Alan Moore's run. Why have you brought me here? You sure it was me? Maybe it was this place that called you. This is actually a really good fight. I think this is kind of even in, in a lot of aspects, yeah. but also, too, yeah. we have to worry about the arrows. So, yes. 
Off the top, Swamp Thing. Tell me about Swamp Thing. Yeah, I want to know about Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is the Avatar of the Green. He is one of the elementals in the DC Universe. So Alec Holland, one night, is creating a uh, bio-regenerative serum, basically, which allows people to regrow. It's basically like the lizard in Spider-Man, where, like, they can regrow limbs using, like, biotechnology. And... Mm -hmm. A competitor for the company that he was selling to actually found out about this, found out where he was creating the serum, and sets all of his all of his work on fire. And while he's running for his life on fire, he goes into the swamp of I think it's Louisiana. And the biotechnology and the swamp fuse together into Alec Holland, making him into Swamp Thing. So Alan Moore actually doesn't tell an origin story. It's actually Len Wen who creates that origin for him before Alan Moore took over. But Swamp, or, uh, Alan Moore is responsible for giving Swamp Thing a lot of new abilities, such as his ability to not not the movie Swamp Thing. <laughs> We're not not him. He sucks. I, those movies are not good. Don't watch them, everyone at home. If you haven't seen them, do not watch them. <laughs> they're all, but they're directed by John Carpenter, I think, or Wes Craven, one of the two. Anyway, <laughs> so Alan Moore gave Swamp Thing the ability. What? What? I'll tell you when it's my turn. Okay, all right. My friend, my friend, uh, Aaron just sent me a message about this battle, okay. and I'm loving it. All right. So Alan Moore gave him the ability to basically condense his consciousness into the earth, so he can like basically be full Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing sits around, I'd say it's like 6'6". Six, six. He's probably, maybe I would say he weighs around like 300 pounds. He's a big presence. And he can like condense himself into the ground and re, and like repurpose himself into a flower or in a tree or in a bush. Or he can like basically condense himself down into the earth. This happens whenever he gets transported to another planet. And he figures out a way to like condense himself down into oxygen and it like he travels through space somehow. I didn't think there was any oxygen in space, but it's all Al Moore and his evil brain. He knows he does the science behind it, I guess. But he finds himself back to Earth. It's really crazy. Also, there's a really cool storyline in Swamp Thing during Al Moore's run, where Abby Arcane, who is the girlfriend of Al Collin, who who eventually he she still dates Swamp Thing when he turns into Swamp Thing. She actually gets I know, right? Well, that's that's <laughs> that's the funny part of the story is that Someone catches her, like, hanging out with Swamp Thing, and they arrest her because they think it's wrong that she's, like, associating with this monster. And I think it's Harvey Bullock, the partner to Commissioner Gordon in Gotham. I don't know why he catches her, but he does. And they actually take her to Gotham and put her in jail. So Swamp Thing finds Batman, and he says, hey, I know this is your jurisdiction. Give me back Abby, and nothing bad will happen. And Batman's like, I mean, I can try, but I don't really know what I'm going to do here. So the next issue is Batman just going around to different people in Gotham like, hey, I need to get this girl out of jail because we're up against something huge right now. And at the end of the issue, Batman, is, he's unsuccessful. He can't, he can't do it. So in the next three issues of that run, Swamp Thing essentially turns Gotham into a tundra. He turns it into a rainforest. He turns it into all these different, like he turns it into a desert at one point. He takes all these different settings and turns Gotham into that, that particular environment until Abby is eventually given back to uh, Swamp Thing. And Batman is fully like sympathetic the whole time. He's like, yeah, I get it. They shouldn't have arrested her. But he's like, I don't, what do you want me to do? And Swamp Thing's like, I don't care. Give me back my, my lady or I'm, I'm turning your city into a freaking wasteland. So that's the type of power we're talking about here with Swamp Thing. He's very similar to Solar Surfer in that way where... But you he, said he's a, he's a, he's, he's an elemental in he, the, in the universe? In, on Earth. 
There are four oh, on Earth. Okay. There are four elementals on Earth. He's the green, is what they call him, the green. Okay, so I, I guess I'm kind of confused. Okay. Uh, so, so he become through through a scientific mistake, he takes on the role of an elemental. Who is the old elemental? What happened to him? So the elementals of the green were previous versions of Swamp Thing. Whoever takes on the the entity of Swamp Thing, whoever the 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 Earth decides is their elemental. That, that's who it is. And, and it just so happens that whenever Alec is turned into Swamp Thing, there's actually, there's a part in the storyline where uh, the, the very first issue of House of Secrets number 92, created by Lynn Wynn and Bernie Wrightson, uh, is actually not Alec Holland. It's another character, Alec Olson or Alex, Alex Olson. He actually shows up in Alan Moore's run as a previous green. So it's like a way of integrating those two universes together. So mm-hmm. every time there's a new Swamp Thing, that's the new green. That makes sense. So the old, but does the old Swamp Thing stop being the Swamp Thing? Yeah, they go to this. They go to this uh, Parliament of the Green, where they all just kind of like surround each other and basically look over to the Earth. They're like they're basically like the guardians for the Green Lantern. You know, like they kind of they essentially subconsciously send the Green or the Swamp Thing where he needs to go to defend the Earth and against its okay. biggest threats. This is confusing as shit. I know it's tough to explain. Alan Moore is, like I said, he's an <laughs> evil genius. His his yes. His, I think I talked about it last episode with Jack Kirby, where it's like trying to drink out of a water hose. Sometimes yeah. that's how it is. That's how it is with uh, Jack or with uh, Alan Moore as well. So this is what Red said about Captain America in the scene, in in this arena. So he would essentially wear his shield like a hat. Okay. So that the arrows could not <laughs> harm him. Well, I think ironically enough. This is the character that I thought would have done best in the scenario, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. So the arrows would literally do nothing to Swamp Thing. He has no, yeah. he has like no organs. He doesn't. He's all organic. He can essentially it just like goes through him, or it just goes into him and it doesn't do anything. But yes, I think for Captain America, it's the same thing with his vibranium shield. It doesn't really affect him because he can just every two minutes when they announce that it's about to happen, he can just you know kind of cover himself. Yes. But go ahead, tell us about Captain America in Endgame. Yeah, so Captain America, Steve Rogers, uh, is enlisted during, let's say, World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a small-framed individual who gets, you know, injected with the super soldier serum, you know, freaking bombarded with the Vita Rays, you know, and uh, becomes the, the, the first Avenger, becomes the, world, the world's greatest super soldier, you mm-hmm. know? I think it's worth noting that, that Captain America, when he became the super soldier, that was the beginning of Weapon, the Weapons. Captain America is technically yes. Weapon 1, and yep. like Wolverine's Weapon X, number 10. Uh, the Hulk, at one point, the reason why he became the Hulk was because they were trying to recreate the Super Soldier Serum, and that was a mistake, obviously. So, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. And there's like X-23 and mm-hmm. all those jazz. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was actually, yeah, at the beginning of the weapons program. And then, so we know that, you know, at the end of the fight with, you know, Red Skull, mm-hmm. he gets frozen in ice in the, in the, in the Arctic sacrifices himself yeah sacrifices himself for like 70 years i think and then wakes up in modern day and becomes you know the first avenger becomes you know the 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 white we know as captain america Mm -hmm. uh you know goes through all (laughs) goes through the winter soldier goes through civil war goes through infinity war goes through the entire thing so he's now you know steve rogers uh, he's 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 tired he's lost so many people this this is after the snap so post snap he still has a shield, but during during the battle with Thanos, his shield gets broken in half. Um, he's got Mjolnir because he's because as everybody knew, he was worthy, and so 
what what I like to think of so for Captain America Endgame is he is obviously still who he is, Captain America. He's still super soldier. He's still tough as, as, as nails. He's still got a shield. I would be okay with saying that his shield is cracked in half, but he still has it. I think we probably would have and to, right? Because it is broken by Thanos. Yeah, it's broken yeah. by Thanos, but I would like to say that he has Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you're, and so that's what I'm going to give him is the, he has Mjolnir, uh, half his shield, and that's 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 who we're, you know, he's he's... He is a an almost an unstoppable fighter. Like if you if you remember, we had a discussion I think last week when it was Captain America versus. Oh no, was that us? What? What's that? It may not be. I may remember wrong. So the, if you remember in Civil War, there was the fight between Iron Man and Captain America. Iron Man is unable to beat Captain America because of his fighting prowess and actually needs to use his AI to figure out a way to beat Captain America's fighting style. Read his fighting techniques read his fighting techniques and find a weakness but the problem is that and i find this to be a flawed thing is captain america will still win because he has the ability to adapt to any fighting style he can do this all day he can do it all day and so that's my thing is i i compare captain america to be uh an ultimate battle strategist which incorporates hand-to-hand combat Mm -hmm. and i think that he'll do whatever he can to find a weakness plus now he has the powers of Thor. Yeah, he has the po- so, power. The power of Odin, really. But uh, power of Odin, yes. Yeah, and he's a man out of time. And I think we can both agree that this is probably the the strongest version of Captain America in the entire MCU. He's he's mm-hmm. he's battle worn. He's been through it all. He's fought his friends. He's fought Thanos. He's you know he he is the best version of Captain America as far as a fighter goes in the MCU. So yes. Yeah, relentless. I, absolutely, and he, yeah, he's not afraid to. I think in the beginning of the MCU, like with the Avengers, he's a little bit more um, reserved. Like he's not willing to actually possibly kill someone. But I think this version of Captain America, if he really, really had to, he would. So yes. All right. So where do we go from here? <laughs> this is a tough one for me as well because I'm not gonna lie to you. Swamp Thing is my favorite comic book character of all time, so I have a very deep affection for him, and I have a hard time not thinking that he's the greatest, you know, in a lot of different ways, but I'm going to put aside my love and my bias to give a full, cause I love Captain America too. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite Marvel characters in general and the comics are in the MCU. I have to set my love for him aside as well. Yeah. So I think off the top, we have to worry about the arrows and I think we've already decided that while it would be a non-issue for Swamp Thing and any, doesn't matter what, what the scenario is. I think it's a non-issue. I think Cap still has to worry about them in some aspects. That being said, Cap is the better fighter here. He has he has the better technique, and he could probably find some type of weakness in Swamp Thing. However, Swamp Thing is basically... He's indestructible. He, like, again, he, he doesn't... If, he, if you cut off his leg, he's just going to grow another one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And... He, I don't think there's any grass in this arena. Can we agree that this is like a concrete floor? Yes. Okay. I mean, I that, if if you want that, I mean, I am not really like imagining just the the arena. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, if we're gonna say that this is this arena has any kind of turf or anything, if we, okay, how about this? Okay. I'm gonna throw this out there. So, in order to effectively kind of even the playing field, so to speak, okay, for the two fighters, th- it has to have. Uh, nothing that gives an advantage to any individual fighter. Okay. So, so I would say yes, a concrete floor for this because scenario. we don't want to. 
in this scenario. Yeah. But I, you being the um, you being the subject matter expert on Swamp Thing's powers, it sounds like from what you've explained to me that he has the ability to change an environment, almost terraform by by will. Right. Yeah. That's that's so actually that, that was to be my next point was that he would he would essentially be able to turn the you know without even because the reason why I asked about the grass is so that he could you know basically put himself into earth and then come back but yeah he has the ability to change the environment at will um mm-hmm. also too captain america while i love him has been widely you know known that he is basically as good as man can be he's not a superhuman he's he, he doesn't really even technically have powers quote unquote he is literally just the very best that a human can be like uh, you know he can run as fast as any of the fastest humans in the world he's as strong as any of the humans in the world so that's that's my point is that swamp thing is beyond human. He is he is a, a force of nature, you know. Yes. He's a, an elemental. So, uh, again, without any biasy, I'm going to say that I think Swamp Thing probably has this one because I think he there's nothing that Captain America can do to take out Swamp Thing in the way that Swamp Thing could do to take out a human. So not to say that it wouldn't be a long fight. Captain America would put up a good fight. Yes. So the question is uh, that we, we received a question from chat and it said, is he able to turn the materials from the arrows into weapons for himself? Now I'm assuming that that could be either side. Now here's, here is my thought and you can tell me if this is a, a, a valid argument or not. Let's say that Captain America. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so let's say it's after, the 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 flurry the flourish of arrows okay all right now there's a whole lot of arrow material on the floor and i'm assuming potentially metal okay tips yeah all right so let's say that captain america is able to spin mjolnir Uh fast enough to create a vortex of metal arrow tips that therefore surround the swamp thing and then he also at the same time uses the power of thor to create a lightning strike that therefore sets all of what is the swamp thing on fire immediately. <laughs> okay. There, there have been many scenarios where swamp thing has been lit on fire. I think that's like the most common way that people think that's how you can destroy him. I'm forgetting exactly how he does it in the comic, but there's a way that he can beat it. Not, I'm not saying that just to like keep pushing the fact that swamp thing can win. No, I, no, no. You're the expert. Yeah. Well, and so I think for cap, his only way of winning this fight is if he is able to hmm I'm trying to think I would say it's basically like the zombie roll he'd have to remove his head but swamp thing has shown over and over again that he could be literally completely disintegrated like completely gone from the world he could turn himself to oxygen for crying out loud yeah so it's tough because this is kind of an op character and we decided on no op characters that's my fault yeah Ooh. <laughs> we we agreed at the beginning of the episode to like not Put like your Goku's or your One Punch Man's in there yeah. because we know that they would win most scenarios. But so, does do the arrows give Swamp Thing an advantage? Not really. And I, and here's here's the other thing I was going to say too is that Swamp Thing I think would immediately, regardless of whether he knows that they're going to fight to the death, I think Swamp Thing would recognize that Cap is an honorable man and would not use brutal techniques to, to try to kill him. I think he would try to do it in the most like humane way possible. Like and I think Cap would do the same thing with Swamp Thing. They both are their character is very high. Both of those characters have very high character or moral. I think that you're right because I think that Captain America honestly would probably almost throw the fight. Okay. Not that he would need to. Uh huh. But I think that he would almost do it in a way that would make it easier and that 
there would be like an unspoken thing that the swamp thing would know like i'm gonna i'm gonna let him i'm gonna kill him yeah you know painlessly sure because he knows that a i'm the doing the better thing here yeah and also he can't win and also too if cap dies it's a little different than an elemental for the earth like there's a, a a very important rule or important role I'm sorry for swamp thing that uh, I think we're getting too metaphysical here like it's not really not that <laughs> deep really but like we're going down a rabbit hole yeah um so yeah I think can we agree I think probably swamp thing takes this one after a long battle yes yeah there'd be many arrows yes. on the ground let's just say that it would be a long fight but yes uh I think ultimately swamp thing just based on the fact that he can't really be hurt in this particular scenario. Now, I think part of the reason why I put him on here is because for Battle 5, this would have been a really terrible situation for Swamp Thing. So let's just go ahead and dive into that one, since we agree. I think Swamp Thing probably takes Battle 4. All right. Battle 5. That's 2-2. Two 2-2, to two. Two to two, yeah. That's the current... I mean, but who's counting, right? <laughs> battle 5. This, ma- this match right here has no oxygen in the arena. So right here, this would have been an immediate... Oof issue for Swamp Thing because he couldn't for, he, he wouldn't be able to use any of his grassy abilities if you will oh question so I almost thought to myself that he could die uh-huh. uh, Captain America could die because lack of oxygen but he also has the suit right he has the end game suit that end game suit right exactly yeah so that would have been an immediate uh-huh. win for Captain America if this was Battle yeah. 5. But this is Battle 4. Yes. Oh, that was Battle 4. This is Battle 5. Are you ready yeah. for our All next right. participant? All right. It's, it's, I, I'm not looking, but it's between these two. Okay. okay. Ready? ready? And go. Minus Toneberry from Final Fantasy series. <laughs> Doom Slayer from Doom Eternal. We found him in the valley, just outside the castle walls. He was badly wounded and wearing this. All right. So, if you're not familiar... Like, actually, you know what? Go ahead and do the Doom guy. Okay, so Doom guy, which is actually one of his names. Uh, well, that's Doom his Slayer. actual... A Doom guy? Yeah, they, they call him the Doom guy. So that was one of his earlier uh, names and concepts. Because, you know, back in the in, in earlier you know, iterations of the Doom franchise, uh-huh. you know, they didn't really have a name for him. So he's a protagonist and playable character of Doom, Doom 2, blah, blah, blah. There's many, 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 many Dooms. He's also known as uh, DM-15, Doom Marine, the Slayer. Could you come uh, into your mic a little bit? So that... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Unchained Predator and the Beast or the Hellwalker. <laughs> and basically, uh, so the Doom Slayer through some lore uh, is actually known to be a part of the armies of an alien race that uses um, hell energy um, or, or, or argon or Ar- argent argent. Yeah. It's like argent energy. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's basically what we, what we consider hell or it's a, another like dimension. Okay. Okay. And so they use this energy uh, and the doom slayer is the one that helps keep the demons of this hellscape in check. So, Basically, I mean, there's just there's like a it's it, there's not just one Doom guy. There's been Doom Slayers throughout history, uh-huh. and then they've obviously throughout you know the throughout millennia they've grown in strength. And they're not just one species. They're not just all hum, human. Um, so yeah, they're so I I picked Doom Eternal Doom Slayer because of the I'm gonna say because of the uh i guess equipment he comes with i mean they're all basically he has his own armor which is just badass but in doom eternal 
Um, he's got uh, a so- like a sword built into his arm, uh-huh. almost like the Predator. Right. And yeah, he just has. I mean, he always ha- he always has pretty much chainsaw, shotgun. He has a gun called the BFG, which is the big effing gun, you know, <laughs> and can, can can destroy almost you know anything. And he's just again, he's just relentless. Like all that is on his mind is to destroy. Destroy. Yeah, that's total. Yeah. That's the '90s for you, right there. Is that when Doom came out in the '90s, right? Early '90s. I want to say late '80s originally well even so that's the era of just like you know yeah violence and such so for those of you who are not familiar with toneberry this is actually going to be a pretty easy explanation it's this little frog looking thing in a mage suit in the final fantasy universe he's got this little lantern and a little like shank knife okay and he has one move he only has one move in that in the game universe and it's called Chef's Kitchen Knife. And what he does is if you get close enough to him in, in the Final Fantasy universe, that he'll just do, he'll stab you one time and it's an instant death in the game. So that's Toneberry for you. That's basically it. I would recommend looking him up because he's, he's actually kind of cute. I don't understand why he's one of the most menacing characters in the Final Fantasy universe, but... Yeah, he's, he's. I think it's the creature that he's actually like based on. I think he's because um, a lot of the creatures from Final Fantasy um, and a lot of those series are based on actual like like Japanese like myths. Sure. And so I believe that he is based on a Japanese like a water, some kind of like water nymph or something. Uh-huh. So okay. Um, and the whole thing was uh, oh no yeah it's a it's not not a nymph it's a. So you've heard of will- will-o'-wisps, uh-huh. which are big in I- Irish culture. Um, it's com- almost the same thing because um, they're also not only known for their knife, but their little lantern. So that lantern is supposedly the will- will-o'-wisp that you see, uh-huh. and that's them. Like they're like a, they're like guiding like souls and wisps, you know, to where the darkness or whatever. Sure. So I think we can both agree that for Battle Five, the no oxygen is a non it's a non issue for either one of our fighters because I think Toneberry is basically not of this world and mm-hmm. the, the doom slayer will have the equipment to be able to breathe. Mm-hmm. So how do we decide this? Because what do you, I mean, on it, I think it comes down to the doom slayer. Like really it's based around if he gets, if he can stay far away enough for long enough, he should be able to wear down Toneberry or Toneberry. Can't do it. This is, this is a, this is a non-starter. This battle automatically goes to the Toneberry. Because the Tomberry with his ability of instant kill. Uh-huh. So here's the thing. Doomslayer is not necessarily otherworldly at all. Okay. Yes, he be kind of becomes resurrected and has some ability mm-hmm. abilities, but his weapons are based off of ammo. Now, in in the game, in order to, you know, refill some of your ammo, you either have to find ammo on the ground which i doubt you're going to find in the arena uh-huh. or you're going to have to use uh certain maneuvers and certain abilities or certain weapons like the chainsaw the chainsaw is a, is a, is a major plot thing because he basically uses the chainsaw to kill an enemy and they drop ammo sure so in this case he would have to do a close-up attack in order to replenish his ammo sure so there's just it's really a non-starter because as soon as he gets close it's just like flip Yep. With his knife and instant death. Yeah. So I, the way I see it is like for a good thirty to forty-five minutes, Doomslayer is just using all of his weapons, all of his ammo, just boom, 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 from across the arena, and Toneberry is just taking it, just like taking it, yeah. taking it, and then all he has, all the Doomslayer has left is his chainsaw, and he's like, "All right, I guess I got to use this," and he comes rushing in, and as soon as he gets close enough, 
Tilbury just goes, shink. It's yep. done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toneberries are so annoying in the game. If you've ever played Final Fantasy games, you guys know how annoying it is to run across a Toneberry. Yeah. Because you never know. Like, I've been in so many Final Fantasy like playthroughs where it's like you just happen to walk into the wrong area and like you're like a low like level ten character and you're like God, how much HP does this Tonberry? <laughs> yeah, you know? a lot of times it's like nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine immediately. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't say you know quote unquote instant death. It just it gives you an amount. It's just an amount that you don't have yet. You know. Yeah. So uh, they actually have them in Final the Final Fantasy Seven remake and they're a tad more manageable at least from the setting that I had it on. Where you can fight them, but they still have the chef's kitchen knife, where they or the the chef's knife attack, where you you can still they can still stab you with one hit and kill you. Yeah, you know I actually got into that's how I know about like the whole like you know will o' wisp lantern thing is because I got really interested the other day. Uh, my girlfriend and I were watching Anthony Bourdain, uh-huh. and he went to this. Uh, where was it? Was it Korea or it might have been? Uh, anyway, actually I think it was in New York. No, it was a uh, it was in New York, and he went to a a shop. That was purely for like kitchen, like for cooks, for like uh, cookware, for professional cooks. Yeah. And they had a knife that looked exactly like the Tonberry's knife. (laughs) And I was like, God, it looks exactly like the Tonberry's knife. And I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with chefs or whatever. So I started, you know, I went down a rabbit hole, you know, and I'm like reading into Tonberry's. They have a tail. Did you know that? Like a yeah, long, a, like almost. Yep. Yeah. I think you can actually. look like a tadpole. You can see it in the in the Final Fantasy game. The new one. The Final yeah. Fantasy VII remake. Alrighty. Our final battle here. This has actually gone on quite. This is an hour, an hour and 30 minute long episode so far. So this is a little bit longer. But that's okay. <laughs> We're getting into it here. The final battle in our battle royale is this match. This is a fun one. This match has both of us in the arena. You and I are in the arena on the outskirts in a protective bubble where we can never be hurt and we're allowed to shout instructions to the fighter that we both have chosen for this particular fight. So I, we only have one left. So on three, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> so we have predator from the original 1987 movie. What the hell are you? Versus RoboCop from the original 1980... What is it? I think four? 1984 movie. Drop it! Better alive, you are coming with me. Wow, so the battle of the 80s action heroes, or villains. <laughs> Alright. I gotta look this up just so I know what year it is. By the way, that's 1982 for that Swamp Thing movie, if you wanna watch it. No, I don't. <laughs> Oh, 1987. I was way 87. So they came out the same year. That's funny. Yeah. All right. So if you're not familiar with Predator, this it's this being from another universe or not another planet. Excuse me. Maybe another universe. Who knows? That Arnold Schwarzenegger and company have to go up against in the jungle. Are we? Do we know what jungle it is? I think it was Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. It might have been in, the, in Vietnam. And basically, he, they're like the ultimate fighter. You know, they, they have the, well, they have like the, they have these wrist blades, the sink, the, the, the two like X-23 blades that they have that come out. Yeah. They have uh, these little drones on their shoulder pad that they kind of let loose and like use the spy on their enemy. They've got the disc blades. Uh, they have this. The, no, okay. The okay. Okay. If we're talking, so you remember, you got to go off the iteration that you chose. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yes. All right. So you have he, to go off the iteration that you chose. So. Yeah. 
no drones. Okay. All right. He. I don't think he. I don't think he actually had the the, the blades, the throwy blades in that one. Okay. The displays. I know he had he had the laser. Uh-huh. So he had three main things. He had he had a spear. Yep. He had the lasers. He had his blades. Yep. And he had his um, what else did he have? He had the night vision. Or uh, the... well, he had he had the the he had thermal. He had night thermal, vision. That's right. He had all of them, and then um, and then he had his invisibility. Right. You know, and I think that was really about it that he had in that. Okay, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick three just for lame. That way we don't, you know. Okay. That way, so I'm gonna say he has the the shoulder cannon. He has the spear. I'm not gonna give him the invisibility because I feel like that's kind of a, a cop out. Although Robocop might be able to see him still, maybe, maybe if he has thermal in his suit, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna say the the shoulder cannon, the spear. And I'm gonna say he has the. I'm gonna say he has the the bladed discs, even though that's not from the first one. But I'm just, it's just so I, I don't take the invisibility because I don't like that. So yeah, okay. So good. Oh, so he's not invisible. Not invisible. He cannot turn invisible. I, okay. Do you um, want, do you want him to turn invisible? I mean, I want it to be like a like I, I want to be impartial and I want it to be like a fair fight. And if you said like 1987 Predator with uh, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger then he has invisibility. Okay, all right, fine. So we'll do without you the blade disc and we'll say he has invisibility. But yeah. I I, I want to make the argument that RoboCop can still see him sometimes. Cuz I feel Okay, like... I'm going to I'm going to go with yes. Omni Consumer Products, okay. OCP, uh-huh. the company that is actually in charge of the police department in Detroit uh, and also the builder is, you know, of you know RoboCop uh-huh. is that he is like they've given him Yes, thermal vision. Okay, yeah. So what's some of his other abilities that RoboCop has? Okay, so obviously he's extremely accurate, you know, with his weapon. He's got like a like a freaking, almost like a, he's got a um, Desert Eagle. So it's like, it's like a semi-automatic Desert Eagle, so 50 caliber rounds. So this thing will, will literally tear your head off even if it grazes your, your neck. Yeah. So I, I would say, obviously he's he's got the computer program and his the computer you know chips in his brain so he's faster he's able to think really quickly that's i mean and i can i can say maybe maybe he has a sniper rifle because in that in that show or in the first one he got the sniper rifle and he uses that to take some dudes out right but i really don't think that he has much else i mean that was that was the problem i picked so i picked 1987 robocop so he is definitely not as fast as you know the predator uh-huh. so he doesn't have the speed maybe he can outthink maybe he ha- he's able to think and you know move on his feet so to speak you'll have to be the one to tell him that i do have to tell him that yes so oof i mean this is this is gonna be if if i have a chance if me and robo you know i'm gonna call him robo because we're friends <laughs> if me and rc have a chance we're really gonna have to stick together and like kind of like think about this yeah. and if i'm in a bubble and i am am i like over his shoulder or am i like up in like you know the air let's say that we're on the sidelines both of us we're next to each other in different bubbles but we have like a communications like piece uh, in our ear that okay. we can talk to him directly okay 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 so i i mean and what's the terrain like we'll say this is just normal grass and a dome like it's just like a normal like normal patch of grass and a field oh, i'm aft <laughs> okay Whew. all right let's do this okay so I, I think that the Predator will immediately try to turn invisible. That's going to be his that's, – yes. that's like his MO in the original Predator movie. But I think RoboCop – in my eyes, I feel like he would still – he would have thermal vision. They don't specifically say that in the movie, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an educated guess and say that he has that. So 
I think that's going to prove useless and that RoboCop will immediately have the upper hand. Because we've seen in the movies, in all the movies, but specifically in, in Predator 1, that the Predator is vulnerable. He's not indestructible. You can take him yes. down if you're strong enough. So he's going to be able to shoot. Like Predator's going to think that he has the advantage immediately, but RoboCop's going to immediately see him and shoot him in some capacity. So that's going to damage Predator in some way. Maybe not completely because yes. he's still one of the ultimate fighters in the universe. So, well, and so that's and, and and that's the other thing is like I, so you got to think about this. Predator is not necessarily the ultimate fighter. Yeah, he's an ultimate hunter. Hunter, right? And they grow as a race. This is where you messed up because I know a lot about predators. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> this is this is more of like your expertise in both ways too. It really is. Yeah. So um, so predators are a clan based species. Uh-huh. Um, they have their elders and they have their you know, young, I'm going to call them like younglings, okay. you know, they're initiates that master Anakin. <laughs> I'm your babysitter. <laughs> so he, um, basically they have to go through an initiation hunt uh-huh. where they're sent to a planet. And that's basically actually what people don't know is this hunt was the initiation of that predator. Oh, okay. I did not know that actually. Yeah. So they're set, and that's why they happen annually on specific planets. Uh-huh. Um, and they happen to like summer times on our planet as it got hotter and hotter. They were sent down to again get the the the, the toughest of the tough, the best of the best best warriors, and therefore the the predators take it back or fight them. And if they win, survive, then they become an uh, an actual predator. They're welcomed into a clan mm-hmm. or onto a crew. And that's when they're allowed to travel to different worlds and hunt. The entire focus of the predator species is to better themselves as hunters. Right. So, and they, and again, they try like each, each clan is based on out of a ship and that's how they travel from system to system to system, hunting the best, the best, the best. Right. Also the aliens, Xenomorph species, some believe that the, that they were actually um, commissioned by the predator species. Oh yeah, I think I, they talk about that in one of them, right? They talk maybe so, alien versus predator. Yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't matter because this is. I mean, we don't we don't have that yeah. ability here for this one. So yes, what what is this? What is the what's the bottom line with RoboCop? I think we are kind of thinking that Predator might take this one, but is there a scenario where RoboCop can win this one? Okay, so. I have to base this on like my thought and you can tell me what you think. And like, so starting off, you, cause you said that he has to go invisible, right? That's that'll be his, like his initial like response. Yes. So in my opinion, if I'm understanding like what RoboCop is capable of, mm-hmm. all right, he's obviously able to think quicker, mm-hmm. faster and strategy wise. Everything is going, running through processes. He's basically a walking supercomputer. And you have okay. him give him instructions too with the knowledge. And of I have to give him instructions. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm telling him, all right, as soon as he goes, as soon as predator, which he will goes invisible, you need to change to either a thermal cam or a motion detector. Right. And you need to track his steps and then obviously take out your weapon. And as he's, cause he can only run as fast as he can. Mm-hmm. You know, and if if you're saying it's only grass, then that means there's no trees, which means he can't climb. Right. So track the motion, track the steps, and watch him as he turns invisible. Because I'm assuming he's going to go invisible in route, and he's going to try and get to somewhere where you know he's either out of sight or whatever. And then he's going to try and you know use his little shoulder-mounted laser yep. to take off, you know, either to 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 take him down. Right. And so I'm going to tell my guy to watch him 
watch his movements. He's going to go invisible and basically train your gun and take him out. Yeah, I, I was going to say, too, I think if RoboCop can't take out Predator with his sniper, uh, if he can't damage him enough to slow down Predator, as soon as Predator gets close enough to use his spear, it's a done deal. I mean, I think RoboCop is essentially done at that point. As soon as... Yeah. Because I think Predator also has the strength advantage and the like the mobility advantage up close, right? Yes. So as long as... I think if RoboCop can take him out in a long range, he has a chance. But I... I My only... My only thing for that, and I think is is I, you'd have to go off of kind of the lore of Predator. Yeah. So obviously Predator likes to keep trophies. Right. So I'm assuming that he's not he's going to try and not damage RoboCop's head. Right. Which is his fault. That's where he faults. Right. Because RoboCop, being you know a robot or a cyborg, uh-huh. can probably you know if he takes out an arm or if he takes out a leg, he can still function. We've right. seen him function brutally ass beat <laughs> you know right so i think that that's what's going to happen is if the predator is trying to take a trophy which again you have to tell him if this is a battle royale but again you're telling him what to do so i can't say that you know you gotta like that's you know yeah, i would immediately tell him go for the head cut his head off clean. there you go you know like there you go because if you if you stab him in the heart there's nothing there it's just it's just you know machinery yeah so i would tell- you could easily just be like don't even go invisible just, just, just laser cannon him in the face. Well, I, like you said, though, he's going to want a trophy, and I think that he's still going to need to get up close to take his head off. But yeah. I, I, but I think we've come to a consensus here. I think it's probably Predator. Would do you agree? Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's just let's just do the battle. Let's do it right now. Let's do it. All right. All right. <laughs> well, well, three. Oh, what? No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay, it's like. Shoot him in the face. <laughs> so what I'm going to do here is I thought this was a great idea. I thought this was a great idea while we were talking about this because I think we could leave this one up in the air. I think yeah. what I'm going to do or what we should do on social media on Twitter, I'm going to put up a poll each day with our two fighters that we put up against each other and have them vote. Yes. So and see if we're correct. So who did we have the winners of first? So we had it looked like we had who was it beat red? Master Chief. So Master Chief. We had Silver Surfer beating Kirby. We had who beat Kevin? Clayface. Clayface beat Kevin. We had Swamp Thing beating beat uh, Captain America. We had yep. Tom, uh, Tom Barry beating uh, Doom Slayer. Doom Slayer, and then we had Predator beating Robocop. So basically, what I'm seeing is that I won. <laughs> Since we're not keeping track, I, I, I think this might be. I mean, honestly, I think it might be even. Why? I think it might be a pretty even match because I think that without you know without the oh the I'm sorry getting up yeah just kidding Predator did not win we're leaving that up to the fans yeah yeah we'll leave I it would to say listeners. that it's pretty even because I mean either way you still won with three to two yeah and then a tie with one yeah so by by Pokemon tournament rules you would have won <laughs> very true well that's it for our battle our first battle royale I think that was really fun I didn't realize that it would it would take that long to go through but I'm still happy with it so. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go ahead and get us into Aaron's Twitch talk? All right. Yeah. So I'll just do a quick, uh, I'm going to cut this down really probably in half, but um, so Aaron's Twitch, Twitch talk uh, again, that's uh, better actions on TTV. You can find me at twitch.tv better underscore actions. Um, and this is just a time where I talk about what I've been doing on Twitch. And recently uh, I've been very much sticking to fallout 76 
because I was trying to really get a feel for it and the upgrades. And last week, I'm pretty sure I said I wasn't really happy with it. Um, and I really wasn't having a good time. But actually, over the last week, I've been streaming it more. And I'm definitely actually getting into it a lot more. Good. The storyline that they added, the NPCs that they added, really do kind of give a little bit more of a, of a storyline feeling to the game. Other than kind of trouncing around the wasteland, interacting with nobody but the enemies. Um, I've, actually, I've also actually had a few jump scares because they've changed the landscaping enough. Right. To where the enemies are a lot more random, uh-huh. you know, and it really is a little terrifying to play at night because they really run out of nowhere and you're like, and they'll like, you'll see like a, like a, what they call like a, um, I forget what they're called. They're like scourge or, or whatever, scorned or something, but they, they just jump out of nowhere and they'll like try and kill you. And it's just, it's terrifying, right. but I'm definitely really enjoying the storyline a little bit more. I'm enjoying the upgrades and it really is more fun when I'm streaming it rather than playing it on my own. So... Okay. Yeah, I'm having more fun with Fallout 76, so that's going to be my Twitch time for today. And like I said, if you want to see me on Twitch, check me out, forward slash B-E-T-T-E-R underscore actions, A-C-T-I-O-N-S. Um, I stream, I want to say, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, for... Now we're going into Chris's corner. I wanted to introduce you. Yeah, yeah go, go ahead and give me a formal introduction. Chris's corner, where he talks about comics. Comics and things. Comics and things. <laughs> so for Chris's Corner this week, I have Brian Michael Bendez and Alex Maleev's Daredevil Run. So this basically, this is just book one, but the entire Brian Michael Bendez and Alex Maleev run actually goes through Daredevil 16 through 19 and 26 through 60. I think it was back in like 2012 to like 2014 to 15, if I remember correctly. But basically what this covers is this is a kind of an overarching epic of what happens when the world finds out who Daredevil is. So if you're not familiar with Daredevil, it's Matt Murdock. He's a blind lawyer. He, he also, he lost his sight, but he can like, he can hear really well. He's got great. He's a martial artist. Basically he uses all his other senses to continue to fight crime as the hell's kitchens, hell's kitchens, Dare, uh, Daredevil. So in this one, it basically, it has uh, storylines involving the Owl, Mr. Hyde, Bullseye, Typhoon, Kingpin. Kingpin is a huge part of this storyline. I'm just, a, I'm a huge fan of it, mostly because, I mean, the writing is excellent. But Alex Maleev's Daredevil is, in my opinion, the iconic, like preferred look of Daredevil. So I read. It's actually been a while since I read this. I wanted to just bring it up because I read it uh, back in like October, November. But I wanted to bring it up to you guys because if you're looking for a great jumping on point for Daredevil and if you want to read a really awesome, iconic run, I highly recommend Brian Michael Bendez and Alex Maleev's run. It, they collect it in three collections, book one, two, and three, and it's a great read. So, yeah. You know the one reason I cannot read or really watch Daredevil and take it serious? Why is that? Electra. Why? <laughs> A, what's her name? Garnet, uh, Jennifer Garner. Jennifer, Jennifer Garner, Garner I yeah. think. Yeah. Playing Elektra. Uh huh. Probably was was the worst comic film I've ever seen. <laughs> and the fact that her name is Elektra Nachos. Uh huh. Electric Nachos. Electric Nachos. You know, it just it it bugs the hell out of me. So that's the only reason I can't. You know, and then the whole thing with like you know, I really wish they would call Daredevil like Batman. <laughs> he would be so much better as Batman. A lot of times Daredevil has 
a lot of interaction with Moon Knight, who a lot of people I, – I hate this comparison because I feel like he's more than that. But a lot of people call Moon Knight Marvel's Batman. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of parallels. And I think even when the Daredevil series came out on Netflix back in the day, a lot of people thought that there was a lot of parallels with, with Batman. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I thought was really cool was I saw an interaction between Moon Knight and Thor. Okay. What happens? And – uh, Moon Knight, so Thor actually throws Mjolnir okay. at Moon Knight, and uh, Moon Knight is actually able to control Thor okay. because apparently Mjolnir it, it has uh, par- like particles of the original lunar sphere, like the original first ever moon that was destroyed or something, and part of- particulates of that are actually in Mjolnir. Oh, I, I have never heard of that before. That's pretty cool, though. I like it. Yeah. Well, we actually don't have any newsletters this week. Once again, we need to have you guys send us some freaking questions in. But yeah. that makes sense. Tell your me. friends. Tell your friends. Ask questions. Yeah. Like, uh, that, usually that would be a big topic right now. But since we're, we're nearing two hours, we probably it's probably a good <laughs> thing that we don't have a yeah. newsletter section this week. But if you do want to get in touch with the, the show while we're recording, you can send us questions uh, via the Twitch live stream. Every Sunday at 2.15, we always stream live on Twitch, the underscore Oblivion underscore bar. You can ask us a question on Twitter, hashtag AskOblivionBar. And then you could also send us a question on Instagram at OblivionBarPod. Aaron, why don't you go ahead and do the end of the show? What we would like you to do, if you could. Please. Uh, su- subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. Subscribe to our Twitch stream, which if you're watching, then you're subscribing to it. But feel free to go to our Twitch stream, and that's uh, Twitch scream. Our Twitch scream. <laughs> Twitch. Okay. Ah! Uh, that's, ah! <laughs> that's all we do is an hour and a half is ah! Um, no, twitch.tv forward slash the underscore oblivion underscore bar. Okay? Like us on Facebook at Oblivion Bar Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Or on Instagram or both at Oblivion Bar Pod. Absolutely. Well, Thank you guys so much for enduring this long episode. It's good to be back. Please try to stay in good spirits during this weird time right now that we're in here in the world. And we will see you all next week for episode eight.